I always talk about it too in terms of like, it's just about sustainability. Like if you can't pay yourself a living wage and turn a profit in your business, how sustainable is that? Welcome to The Success Club, the podcast where we delve into all things business, marketing, mindset, and how to succeed as an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Shakira Jade, multiple seven-figure business owner and business coach with a passion for helping people succeed and blaze their own trail in business. If you are ready to up-level your skills, your mindset, and step into your next level self, then you've come to the right place. Think of me as your business bestie as we navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and life. Each week, I'll be taking you through business strategies along with resources and actionable steps so that you can make your wildest dreams a reality. I invite you to be a part of the Success Club by subscribing to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for pressing play today. And now let's get into it. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I am going to be interviewing Laura O'Hagan, who is a profit first specialist, and she is a previous accountant. So she has an accounting history, but now she does profit first. And I was introduced to profit first quite a few years back. Uh, It's a book by Mike McCallowitz, and it is all about how to gain more profit in your business, pay yourself first and make your business just overall more profitable. And it was such an interesting episode that we had together where we talked all about the profit first system, how you can implement it into your business, and also some of the challenges that we've both faced uh, throughout the years running a business and ways that we can work through those problems. So it was such a great episode. I really enjoyed talking with her. She has so much to offer. I know you guys are going to love this episode because a question I get so often in my coaching is how do we actually increase profit? I want to grow my business or maybe your business is growing, but you don't understand why it's not profiting more. And we're going to be answering a lot of those questions in today's episode. So Uh, Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. I am so excited to have you on here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to dive in all things profit first and cash flow. Yes, me too. So as you guys would have heard from my introduction, Laura is a accountant, but she now doesn't do accounting anymore. She specializes in profit first for businesses, which I was so excited when I got in contact with Laura because I've been using the profit first system in my own business for many years now. And it was a book that was introduced to me. I think I heard about it online from a podcast or something like that. And I was like, what is this profit first? It sounds really intriguing. And the idea of always being profitable sounds great. So I dove into the book. Um, I've read all of Mike McAllowitz's books, actually. They're all fantastic books. But Profit First is a really standout um, system for creating profit in your business. So I would love to, before we get into talking all about Profit First, I would love for you to just give everyone a little bit of a background on where you're at in business right now, what you do, and then how you got to that point. 
Of course, I'm excited to share. So I call myself a profit and growth consultant. So I help business owners to pay themselves more, increase profit and get really confident managing the finances and money in their business. And so I got here like many people in these kinds of businesses, a bit of a windy road, Um, but I've been coaching business owners for about six years now. And I was helping people with the startup phase in their business. And what I was seeing as my clients were getting, you know, more successful and moving kind of into that next established phase, that there was really um, not through any fault of their own, but there just wasn't a lot of understanding of, you know, profit and cash and like, what do I do and how much should I spend and all of these things. And that's something I'm obviously very passionate about with the background as an accountant. And I personally stumbled across Profit First a couple of years ago, the book. Um, Like you, I'd heard someone talking about it somewhere and I was like, I should probably read that. That sounds quite interesting. And I implemented it in my own business and it was so game changing because even as someone who was a traditional accountant, I'm putting that in inverted commas there, it really changed the way that I looked at my business and managed my business. And like you said, profits built in from the start. So I had this personal transformation myself. I was seeing sort of some of my clients struggle with how to kind of figure this all out. And I, so I started talking to some of my clients, Hey, I'm using this profit first thing. Like, it's really great. Do you want to try it? And they were starting to implement and see great success from it as well. So I thought, Hey, I should go off and get certified as a profit first professional, like really get behind this. So I did that. And then I've kind of taken that now out to business owners and really helping them with that. Prior to that, I had a career in the corporate world as a management consultant, which is kind of interesting. It's in a way, it's very similar to what I do now, which is helping really big businesses to increase profitability and, you know, get return on investment on their spend and make sure their businesses run really efficiently. So what I've really found now is I get to do that with small business owners, which is so exciting. And I'm so passionate about it because I get to see the impact of that work on, you know, a lot of women I work with. And the impact, you know, making more money, taking more home has for them in their lives. I get to see that on their faces versus in corporate, you sort of the small money to the shareholders, whereas this is really creating impact and change in people's lives. So that's a little bit of a journey of how I got here. Wow. I love that. That's amazing. So you started out in accounting and then you moved into management. And now I guess what you're doing is a combination of the two between, you know, looking at the figures and things like that, but then not just looking at it from a tax perspective, but looking at it from how we can actually make a business more profitable. Um, And I think one of the things I loved about the Profit First system too, was that even if you have a small business or even if it's just you on your own, you Mm -hmm. can really start implementing this system into your business, it doesn't have to be a big corporation or something huge for it to actually work. You can really work on a very small scale. And then as you start growing your business, it it just becomes even more powerful, which I absolutely love. Exactly. And you're so right. Like the sooner you implement it, I really think the better. And if you're, you know, quite far along in your journey and you, you haven't, that's totally fine. Um, You can still implement it later, but it's, it sets up really great habits of success and paying yourself and making sure that your business is profitable, even in those early stages. And I think that's so important because I was saying to someone else the other day, the habits you establish then come with you on your journey. So it works really well if you're in the startup phase two and wanting to make sure that your business is being run efficiently and profitably. 
and it scales really well as well. There's, you know, different ways that you kind of assess businesses based on where they are in their journey, but the, the principles, the framework, it works for all businesses. So it's, it's, it's so simple, but it's so clever and powerful. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think a potential mistake I see business owners making is when it's just them on their own or they only have one person, they think, oh, I don't need to, you know, have a system in place for my finances. I don't need to have systems in place. It's just me and one other person. But Mm. it's so true that you really, you can't start too early with learning these principles and implementing them. And essentially when it comes to profit first, the sooner you implement it, the sooner you're going to start profiting in your business, which is great. That's what we all want. So I definitely recommend no matter where you're at to start looking into this. So for everyone listening that doesn't know what Profit First is or has never heard of it before, could you give us a little rundown of what it actually is? Yeah. So Profit First, like the basic of it, it's a book written by, as you mentioned, Mike Michalowicz. So he's written a book that explains this cash management process for business owners that's really around setting aside funds for these core components within your business, including profit (laughs) ahead of time, not necessarily trying, you know, what most people do is they bring money into their business, they pay all their expenses and they hope that there's profit left over at the end. That's, and that's how I was doing things. That's how most business owners are doing things. Profit first is around taking profit first. And so, like we said, you, you start, being a really profitable business straight away, even early on in your business journey. So the book sets out this framework and these principles and as well, like a, like I said, a cash management um, process, which is around like putting percentage, you know, allocations into different bank accounts. It sounds really complex when you explain it like that, but most people are really astounded by the simplicity of when they put it into action. And so it's this process for us for managing cash flow and taking into account things like how much we want to pay ourselves, right? Taking into account seasonality. So if January is, you know, traditionally a quiet time in your business, making sure that's kind of covered all year round. So you don't, you know, face those cash flow crunches and things like that. So in, if you boil it down, it's a book and it teaches a really great um, cash flow management process to business owners. Yes, that's such a great way of describing it. And I think something I found really interesting about Profit First is because I'd always been looking with my accountants at my profit and loss statements and you would have all the sales at the top and you'd be like, okay, this is how much money we made. Then you'd have your expenses next and you'd be like, all right, these are all our expenses. Let's take that out of the sales and whatever is left at the very end is what's left over for me as profit. That's the bottom line. That's why they call it the bottom line. Yeah, it's the last it. thing, you know, the last part of the equation, whereas most people are running a business to make a profit. So it makes so much more sense to start with the profit first and work out what do you want to make, be making as a business owner? What, you know, what do you want to be taking home? That should be the first most important thing. And then we reverse engineer from there, how we're going to, you know, pay for things and how we're going to structure our finances to get us to that goal, as opposed to doing it the traditional way, which is the complete opposite way. And personally, I love the sound of getting my profit first and, you know, taking (laughs) my profit as a business owner as being the priority in the business. Exactly. And the reason why the traditional method that you talked about there is not setting a lot of people up for success. There's a couple of things. One of the things too is 
the profit that your accountant shows you on your profit and loss at the end of the year or at the end of the month, depending when you're reviewing it with them, isn't always cash in the bank, right? And that could be tricky to wrap, oh, yes. <laughs> wrap your brain around, but like, you know, Mike calls it funny, you know, funny money or something like that in the book. It's all these accounting transactions that accountants do that are just um, book transactions is what an accountant would call them but it's not cash movement. So for example, you buy a computer or you buy a car, you get to write that car off over a number of years, which makes your profit look better, but it's writing off a car that you've already paid for. So you're like, Hey, profit showing us $30,000. Like, where is it? But they're like, Oh, well, you know, $20,000 of that was the write off of the car. Like it's not real money. Um, and so I hope that makes sense. I'm trying to keep it nice and simple. Cause I know this can be like complex to kind of wrap your brain around. But that's one of the first things that stumps people is you can be running a highly profitable business on your profit and loss with your accountant that doesn't actually translate to profit sitting in cash in the bank. And that can be really frustrating for people when their accountant's like, hey, you had an amazing year. You made, you know, whatever that number is at the bottom. And the business owner's like, great, where is that? Can I take a payout to myself? And they're like, oh, no, like that's not real money that's there. And, you know, I think many business owners can chuckle that, like, they had that experience one year and they're like, okay, I need to understand this a lot better. Um, that's one of the reasons why, too, like that one of the first things that I think about is how that process that you spoke about isn't setting people up for success. The second one is a principle from Profit First, which is this idea of Parkinson's law. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but yes, I speak about it all the time. I love it. <laughs> but it's the idea that whatever resources we have available to complete a job, we use those. And like, we've all had that time where like, I don't know, a university assignment was due a month, you know, we had a month's time to do it and we ended up doing it in the week before kind of thing. Um, you know, and we're suddenly like, why did I, why, like, this is actually a three-day assignment that I took all of this time to do and it's created all this stress at the last minute. And the same is true with money. You know, we've all had that time where we're like, oh, there's so much money in my bank. I don't have to worry about it. And then we're like, where, where on earth did that all go? There's no money left in the bank because when we don't allocate that profit first, our brain, it's just a human thing that we all have. So it's not that anyone's doing it wrong or whatever, but like your brain just sees like, oh, there's $10,000 here to run the business this month. Even if you think oh, I'll run it for less, right? What always happens is we use everything that's there. So profit first is really around taking that out first and then using what's remaining to run the business. And most people find they can easily run the business off 10 or 15% less if they set it aside and you know, make smart decisions because of that. It's like Parkinson's law then works in reverse kind of for us. But that's another thing where when we do that, that thing you said of like top line and what are the expenses and all of that, suddenly our expenses are kind of eating up everything that comes in. And we're like, this isn't making sense to me. Why is there no profit when from the outside in, like it looks like things are doing really well. So I love that you spoke about that traditional method of accounting and why this kind of is a different way that works. You know, it's not that we need to get rid of that, but we need to be managing the day-to-day -day in our business a little bit differently. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And I think it also helps as well when you are looking at the profit first and taking that first 
whatever expenses you're left with or or whatever allocation you have left for expenses, you just have to make that work. You just have to find a way to make that work. And and like you said, you normally can find a way to make that work when you're looking at it from that perspective, instead of looking at it from, I'm just going to spend what I need to spend to run the business or what you think you need to spend. And then realizing you don't have much left over at the end once you've done everything else. So it's just a way of even becoming more disciplined in your spending in the business and how you allocate things or wondering, is this a good time to be investing in something different in my business or adding an extra expense? You can really look at what allocation for expenses you've got. And then if it doesn't fit into that allocation, then no, it's not, it's not going to work right now, but I'm not going to sacrifice my profit in order to, you know, sort of blow out my expenses essentially. So it's just a complete opposite way of looking at it that always protects you as a business owner first before kind of eating into everything in the business, which I absolutely love. Yep. Yep. So important. And, you know, most people will regret when they're like, oh, I spent that, you know, maybe, maybe it was a website refresh or something, right? And it's like, I could have waited six months, but there was money there. And then this month I can't pay myself. What the hell, right? Yes. Yes. You know, and then they're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But it's a, you know, it's a bit too late by then. And you've got this cash flow crunch. It's really around preventing those things from happening. Yes, absolutely. I think that's such a great way that you've described that. Um, Now, a question that I get asked a lot from my coaching clients, so they always want to know how to afford a new staff member. So this is a question I get asked a lot when someone is maybe working on their own and they're looking to hire their first staff member or they're looking to you know, maybe they've got one or two staff members and they've kind of just hired them because they knew the business was profiting enough. They could afford to hire them. They just sort of took a risk, but they didn't properly calculate how to actually make sure they could afford to hire someone. And an issue that a lot of these um, people run into is they hire people and then they have no profit left, or Mm -hmm. they potentially even start losing money because, you know, they haven't really properly calculated what the cost is of bringing someone new on. Um, so I'd love just to get your, I guess, opinion or your advice on what you would say to someone in that situation. Yeah. So I look at like bringing in a staff member, there's kind of two sides to that. So the first is, like you said, how much does it cost to bring them in, including, you know, all the on costs, if they're in Australia and it's plus super and, you know, workers comp and all those things, getting a really good detail of that. It works best when you're calculating that if you've already known your numbers, right? Because like you said, you've got those percentage allocations you understand. And then you're saying, well, if this person's costing X dollars a month and that needs to fit within these allocations, does it work, right? Because you can kind of map that out and really quickly calculate, yeah, it works or yeah, it's a bit tight or we'd have to kind of take a hit somewhere else. It doesn't quite work just yet. Um, A great thing you can do too is if you think it works, but you're not 100% sure, you could, you know, open up a separate bank account for your staff. And so instead of every, all your OPEX, because sometimes in businesses with multiple staff and things like that, the OPEX account is quite big too. And so we can have that um, lack of clarity there. And so one of the things with Profit First is we start opening subgroups of accounts. So you could open a sub account for your new employee and start setting aside what you would, what it would cost you to have them in there for like two months beforehand and see, did it work? Was I able to fund that? And if yes, then we, you know you can afford 
that person. So it's really kind of taking the the cost of the person and putting that into your profit first model and seeing. So again, I, I don't want to go too much into detail because I know it can get overwhelming, but does, does that make sense as a starting point, Shakira? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, definitely. I, I think setting aside the money first before you've employed the person, that's a great tip because rather than just going, oh, let me just try it and see what happens. You can actually see, can I afford this? Can I, you know, still make a profit if I've got a new person coming on. And something that I do in my business is we've worked out in my salon businesses, particularly we've worked out the wages percentages, and that's something that we stick with then for good. We don't actually change that percentage. It stays the same. So if the business is going to grow, then the sales have to grow to match it. Otherwise it's not worth bringing on new people because the sales need to go up in line with the new wage costs. Um, and another thing we do as well is every month we we categorize the wage costs so it's not in with all the rest of our expenses. We're looking at the wage cost on its own um, basis so that we know exactly where that's sitting in relation to everything else, um, yeah. which I think really helps. And then when you are looking to hire someone, you just have to, you know, factor in, is this going to work within my business? Is it is it going to still make the business profitable if we bring someone on. And another thing I always say to my coaching clients too, is when you bring someone new on, you're not going to immediately bring someone on and then the profit just starts skyrocketing and you've got this extra wage. And now immediately you're going to start making all this money. It is, you do have to take a hit at first when you first hire someone and you're onboarding them and you're training them and you're putting effort in until they can start producing income for the business, you are going to have to take a hit. Absolutely. So just be prepared. You're going to kind of go backwards a bit before you go forwards. It's not just going to be this immediate, you know, success forward. So, um, I think that's also really good to keep in mind when you want to bring someone on. Yes, exactly. And I just wanted to add, because I said there was two things to take in mind and you touched on the second one I was going to say, which is, is this person bringing them in going to bring an increase in revenue? Right. And so modeling that out as well, because, and I, I loved what you said, it might be three months later or six weeks later, but like, can I start thinking about what's the revenue uplift going to be? And then how does that affect my profit first percentages? Because obviously if more comes in the top, you've got more to allocate into your operational expenditure category. So thinking about that too is really important. So, cause that's something I think I really get people to think about is if you bring in this person how is it generating a return? Is it either giving the owner back time to do something else? Is it creating more revenue, like opening up capacity and therefore increasing revenue and <clears throat> growing the business that way? So that's a really important thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And another question I guess I get asked a lot as well is how to sort of reverse engineer your business to achieve your personal money goals. So a lot of business owners, they're, you know, obviously running a business because they want to have a form of personal growth or personal wealth um, coming out of running a business. Um, so for those who maybe have a personal goal of they want to make X amount of dollars, let's just say they personally want to make hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's just throw out a figure. Yep. How would you sort of reverse engineer the business to meet those personal financial goals? Perfect. Love that. And I love that you picked hundred K because that's often what I talk to people about is set up your business to make hundred K because that's the goal for a lot of people. 
And we want to be clear on that's paying yourself 100K, not the business bringing in 100K. But yeah, so on my website, I do have a a tool called uh, like a profitability assessment and benchmarks. That's a really great tool to go because you start plotting in your numbers against those profit first allocations and you can start to see like doing the maths, it's fairly simple in terms of, well, I want the owner's comp line. That's one of the categories in Profit First to be $100,000. Now, when I look at the other lines and how that would work, I can suddenly work backwards and figure out, well, it needs to be a business of X. Now, the great thing is I've kind of done that modeling for a 100K salary and pretty much every business over a 200K turnover has the capacity to pay the owner a hundred grand salary or more. And so that's a great benchmark to kind of think about because you might just think about that immediately in your business and think, well, you know, we're turning over far more than that and I'm not, you know, taking that home. That's a good insight that something else is kind of off and you can go and do that assessment and run those percentages and see, but it also gives you the toolkit to go and figure out what does my business need to look like for me to create that. So yeah, it's, They're simple calculations, but you can run it through this profit first model and figure out what exactly your business needs to look like to achieve that. Yes, I love that. I love this idea too of starting with what you want to be making first and then reverse engineering it. Because let's say it ends up being that your business needs to make $300,000 in sales for you to make a hundred thousand, let's just say, for example, then we can go, okay, well, how many clients do we need to get to that $300,000? What do we need to spend in marketing? And, you know, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, I talk a lot about figuring out where to refine your marketing and how many clients you need and using numbers in every aspect of the business to get you to the results that you want, instead of just throwing I, you know, throwing everything out there and seeing what works or trying this or trying that and, you know, really not actually looking at the numbers of your business or not reviewing the numbers of your business as a whole, not just when it comes to finances, but when it comes to marketing, it becomes how many clients do we need then to make 300,000 a year so that I can pay myself a hundred thousand a year. And yeah. it's a complete system of looking at it as a whole, but starting out with the profit, because that is, like I said, one of the main reasons we're running a business. We're not doing it out of the kindness of our heart because it's something to do. You know, we want to turn a profit. We want to be able to build personal wealth and we want to have, you know, money to be able to invest either back into the business or into personal investments or different things that we want to do. And if we're not making a profit and the business isn't a healthy business, we're not going to be able to do those things. So it is, it's not just a vanity thing where it's like, I want to buy some flashy car or I want to do these flashy things. It's like, we need to have a healthy, profitable business to continue on, but to have that growth and to be able to enjoy running a business. Yeah. I always talk about it too, in terms of like, it's just about sustainability. Like if you can't pay yourself a living wage and turn a profit in your business, how sustainable is that right? Because at some point it's, it's just not going to be sustainable. And, you know, most people are in business because they actually love what they do, whether it's, you know, in a bricks and mortar, in an online business, whatever that looks like, they're there because they're passionate about that service and they want that, you know, they want their clients to be experiencing that. And I think that's an important question to come back with, which helps people 
you know, make a bit of a shift about the money mindset because sometimes they're thinking like, oh, I, you know, I want everyone to be able to access this and this and that. And that's lovely, but is it sustainable and, you know, on your energy as well? Um, Because often, yes, if we're starting out, we're really excited. We've got a lot of energy, all of that. It feels like it's sustainable, but come six months or 12 months later when you're like, I'm eating tin tuna again and like this isn't so fun anymore, (laughs) you know, we've got to ask that question and that really helps. I loved what you said too about, you know, profit first and this, this sort of system that we've been speaking about you get to reverse engineer. So like you said, if this person wants this $100,000 salary, they worked out with their business model, it's a $300,000 of income, they can start looking too at like, what is the price you need to be? Can I actually handle that number of clients? Like, is it possible to, you know, work with a hundred clients at $3,000 a year? Well, like maybe in some businesses, yes, in some businesses, no. And you get to reverse engineer and play with, you know, in the accounting and finance world, we call them levers, right? But you start to kind of model out all those levers. So it's like, hey, that offer that I had and I'm really excited about, I can see I've underpriced because there's no way I can deliver to the number of people to achieve the 300K. And you can even then reverse engineer that back further, like you were saying, cool. So like if we know we, you know, let's say you landed on it was 20 clients a year to achieve that, that income level then how many calls do I need to be getting on with people? And then what does that relate to in terms of marketing spend? If I'm doing Facebook ads and things like that, you can see how you can start taking it all the way back. And it makes you be really smart about your decisions because you're suddenly not like, oh, let's just throw out all this marketing spend and see what works. It's like, well, if I need to speak to 10 people on the phone each week to, to you know sign four clients and equal that will equal out to where I want to get to, what does that translate to into marketing spend and does that work? And if not, how do I tweak things? So you can see how it starts to give you so much visibility across these key decisions, which a lot of people are just making, they don't, they don't know how to make them as an informed decision. But what we can see here is this model, yes, it helps with managing the cash flow and projecting that, but it then starts helping us really read the business and make really smart decisions. And I know that's the thing a lot of business owners say to me. I just want to be making smart decisions. I want to know that I'm making the right decisions, whether it's staff, whether it's marketing, whether it's, you know, a new car, you know, whatever that looks like in the business of fit out. I want to make sure I'm making the right decision and it's a smart decision that's not going to cause me trouble later. And the beautiful thing is once you get familiar with this process, you'll be able to start looking at things like that. Like I've seen that transformation with my clients where they've come to me and they're just like the whole numbers thing. It's really stressful and it's overwhelming and we've implemented profit first. I've, you know, helped them understand what we're doing. And suddenly they're bringing these things to me. They're like, I'm thinking of doing this, but I need to take into consideration this, right? It's suddenly empowered them and given them so much more confidence. And I'm like, look at you, like three months ago, you were saying that you just didn't know the numbers. And now you're coming here being like having these really like smart conversations as a business owner because you understand what's happening inside the business. So yeah, that was, that was a long answer to a short question, but yes. No, I love that. I love that. I agree. I think it's so true. It's really empowering to know the numbers and to know what's going on in your business. And I, I tell a story uh, all the time about a situation that I was in. It was back in 2015 and I hadn't been paying attention to my finances and I really didn't have proper systems in place. And I wound up $200,000 in debt. 
and it was incredibly mm-hmm. stressful for me. And at the time I wasn't making a lot. So I was like, I'm going to have to work for years and years to pay off this debt. And it's, it felt so huge and so overwhelming. But at the same time, looking at my finances and trying to work out what was going on felt even more overwhelming. And I just didn't want to deal with it. It just felt like this huge, big, dark cloud that was hanging over my head. And I just Mm -hmm. didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with it. But what I did was I actually hired a business coach to help me with my business. And I simultaneously hired a financial advisor who was an accountant, probably someone similar to yourself, who was an accountant, could look at the accounting side of things, but could also advise me on how I should be spending my money in my business um, and actually show me how to you know, structure my business, how I should be spending. Um, and I was able to pay off that debt within two years. My business skyrocketed from doing, I think maybe, I don't know, five or 600,000 a year to now it's doing 5 million a year in sales. And that was since 2015 and it's just absolutely skyrocketed. And it was because I actually got professional help. I didn't just try to work it out on my own. I didn't just rely on a traditional tax accountant to help me through it. I got a business Mm -hmm. coach and a financial advisor. I also had to really go out on a limb with spending that money as well because mm-hmm. I was already so far in debt and I thought, oh, I can spend a 5000 on a business coach and then a 5000 on this person. Like I thought I should be spending that money on paying off my debt, like I shouldn't be investing in the help. But I thought, you know what, I'm already in this much of a mess. I could potentially go bankrupt and that that's an option. That was something I was considering doing because mm-hmm. I thought, how am I ever going to pay this off? And I thought, I'm just going to take one more risk and and hire these people and get the professional help and then hope that it pays off. And it, mm-hmm. it paid off a, a thousand times more than what <laughs> I actually invested mm-hmm. in that time period. But at that point in time, it was a real turning point for me where I didn't really know if that was a good decision or not, if I should just keep going with it. But I was like, the other option is I go bankrupt and I have to go back to working for somebody else. And how is that going to feel? Is that what I want? Absolutely not. Let's just keep going, push through and work through this situation. In a fast paced world, time is everything. And for busy business owners like you, efficiency is key. That's why I use Flowdesk, the ultimate email building platform designed to save you time and skyrocket your business success. With Flowdesk, creating stunning emails is a breeze. Say goodbye to complicated interfaces and coding. Flowdesk's user-friendly editor empowers you to design captivating emails in minutes. They also have amazing automations which help you to save time and money. If you've ever gotten an email from me, you would have seen the beautiful design as I use Flowdesk for all my emails. Flowdesk offers a vast collection of templates crafted to match your brand's unique style. If you are interested in trying Flowdesk on a free trial, you can go to shakirajade.com forward slash Flowdesk to find out more or use my code shakirajade at checkout to save 50% off your first year. Join myself and thousands of other entrepreneurs who use and trust Flowdesk. And I think a lot of people do find themselves in similar positions where they have gotten into maybe tax debt or credit card debt or things, and they don't really know how to get out of that situation. I'd love to just know your thoughts on, you know, hiring a professional or working with someone to help you through those situations. Yes. What a powerful story. That's so amazing. And like, thank you for sharing. Cause I think it's so helpful to see, you know, there can be so much shame from people when something's gone wrong like that. And yet, 
it's so common yes. for someone to get an unexpected tax bill or like they're like, I don't know, they change from annual to quarterly and suddenly they've got to come up with this thing or, you know, I'm making this investment on the credit card and I think it's going to pay off. And then hindsight was like, oh, maybe it wasn't the best decision, but I've, I've got the credit card debt and they can get really down on themselves and, and almost it feels like this weight, this burden, it's a secret because I must be the only one out there that's making, you know, this mistake. Like this wouldn't happen to anyone else. And often it's not even a mistake. It's it's just a not knowing what you don't know kind of thing. Um, but I do, I get what you're saying too. You're in that corner where you're like, it's a risk to get help. And, and how do I, how do I, you know, come up with that? But my advice, and I, I think you're right, is as long as there is a way, right? Like I don't, you know, never want someone to like be out on the street or anything like that, but finding, you know, bringing in that help and finding out a solution because there's probably ways of managing that and working through that that aren't just naturally coming to you. And to see for you, like, you know, $200,000 of debt, you know, making those couple of investments and figuring out a way to pay that off in two years. I mean, the worst case scenario, really, if both didn't work was kind of the same, right? You were going to get a job. $210,000 in debt and some 200, a lot of money. (laughs) And that's, I think, you know, in a way, you know, not to be flippant, but it's almost like it didn't materially change the position to make that, that investment. And to think about, well, if either situation didn't work, you were kind of going to be pretty much in the same place working for someone else and paying that off. But I do see what can happen with people is they can get caught in the mindset of, well, I've got a money problem and I probably shouldn't spend money to solve that problem. And I I liken it to, and this is like a silly example, but I think it's so helpful. You know, if you like want to go to the gym and join the gym to become like the fit buff person and you look at the gym and everyone inside the gym is like really fit and it can be really intimidating. And, you know, have you ever had someone say like, oh, I need to get fit before I get in the gym because. Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't want to be next to all the fit people, like being the one on the treadmill, like, but it's kind of funny because we know like to be the fit person we actually need to get in the gym and do the work. And in three months time, people will be looking at us being like, how'd she get so fit? Right. And it's a bit the same in this, this way. It's like, sometimes we need to kind of do the thing that's the most uncomfortable and make the sort of make that shift with our mindset in terms of like, I need to bring in help. And yes, that is going to cost me, but that's the way to the result I want just like joining the gym to be one of the fit people is the way to get the result I want. And so normalizing that and helping people see, like, I think, again, so great that you share that story. It is normal and it is okay to spend money to get the help to fix the problem, even if it's a money problem. It's not, you know, the common conversations people are having and people who aren't in business don't necessarily understand that. So you go and have a conversation with, someone who works in a day job or they've always been an employee or someone in your family and they don't understand that business is about making investments sometimes first, right? Like, you know, putting up your website before you can make any sales, right? Opening your e-commerce store. You can't sell on e-commerce without a website. You have to spend money first. You can't run a salon without, you know, paying rent and fitting it out and then bringing the clients in. And so this is the case too, is sometimes you need to 
put the money up front to solve the problem, but it creates the pathway to the solution and often a lot faster than if you got your own. Like I'd love to hear your thoughts on if you didn't hire those people and you kind of chipped away at yourself, do you think it would have been a two-year turnaround? Absolutely not. I can answer that immediately because I think I was only making, I don't fully remember, but I think I was only making about 60000 a year for myself. So I remember thinking I'd have to work for about four years, my entire wage, like no food to eat or anywhere to live just to be able to pay through this debt, which is obviously not even realistic. Um, And I think my business was probably making a five or 600,000. I can't remember exactly, but somewhere in that vicinity. And I was thinking, well, I've got to pay this debt out of my profit and I'm not profiting enough to pay it off in any period of time. So I know for a fact, there's no way I could have paid it off in two years on my own because from Mm. the history of what I'd been earning and what I was profiting at the time, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So it was because I invested and got that professional help that, that reduced the timeline down. And also when I was in that period of paying off the debt, I think I'd gotten to a point where I was paying $10,000 a month. And I think it even increased a bit more than that. And I remember thinking when I'm finished paying off this debt, I'm going to, because this is what I'm making now, I'm going to have an extra 10 to $15,000 a month in my bank account in profit which when this debt is over with. And that was the most exciting thought because I'm like, I'm getting through this debt. And instead of thinking like, oh, I'm still in the debt, I'm still in this, you know, awful period where I'm having to pay so much money every month. I was excited by the fact that once that was over, that ten dollars to $15,000 was going to hit my bank account as profit. And I was going to be, in my mind, the richest person alive. It just felt like the best feeling ever. So that was sort of one of the things I used, like a little mental trick to kind of help me get through that period and not feel so weighed down by the debt and the overwhelm. And I also just want to say too, when I approached that financial advisor and explained the whole situation, he said to me, he was like, don't worry. This happens to people all the time. This is so common. You are not the only one. This is a very common thing that happens. And I didn't know that. I thought I was the only one going through this situation. I thought I was the only one dumb enough to have not done my tax or not paid attention to my finances. I thought every other person out there running a business, they know what they're doing. They're smarter than me. I'm just a hairdresser. What do I know? You know, and and I really kind of had beat myself up about it and I had a lot of shame around it. And then when I went to a professional who deals with a lot of businesses, was like, oh, this is not even by far the worst that I've seen. Like, this is fine. We'll get you through it. You know, we'll put a plan in place. And that was a really big relief for me as well, knowing that I wasn't the only one, that it was a fixable problem. And he actually said, you've actually got a great business. You've got a lot of potential here. Let's find that potential and let's work with you. And then I was like, wow, I didn't know I had such a good business. I didn't know that I could get out of debt so quickly. And it if I didn't get that help and that outside perspective of someone who'd gone before me and who sort of had that inside knowledge, I would have just been left there thinking I was the only one and I was, you know, all the shame and all those feelings that I would have. Mm, Love that. And I, uh, yeah, like I love that they could just see like, and this is kind of that conversation we had earlier, your business can look really great on the outside and be kind of different behind the scenes. And sometimes we don't know how to unlock that. And so I love that this person was like, Hey, like this is actually really great. And we can unlock something. It's, it's almost just that again, like, I don't know what I don't know. Instead of like, you know, you're saying like, Oh, I've created this massive problem and I've got this huge debt and all of that. 
they're like, we can probably make some tweaks and, you know, have the plan. You start seeing the momentum, you see things shift and the exact same business with just like a different insight, a different kind of way of thinking brought to it suddenly unlocked all of that potential. Like, I think that's so helpful for people because it would be easy to be in that situation and be like, obviously this business is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not going to work when we're in this much debt. Yeah. <laughs> like, be a good business. Yeah. Obviously it's not working. It's the business, but it's just, again, it's just some new information, a new, like a new thought process kind of ticking over in the brain. Someone bringing a different perspective that, you know, it's that we can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes clients are like, oh, that seems so simple. Like I probably should have thought of that myself. And and when you're so in it and so close to it, it can be really hard to see, or it's just not the natural way you've been thinking about your, your business, right? Sometimes it's, you know, changing the way we think about the business. And like you said, putting profit first and all of those things. But yeah, I think it's so helpful for someone to see like the exact same business can, you know, can create an entirely different result because that's where I see people, they get caught in this loop, which, you know, and potentially you, you know, might've experienced this in that stage or somewhere else in your business where they're like, well, clearly like I need to just double the business and grow or triple or, you know, hit a million dollars of turnover or 3 million or whatever. And that's when it will work versus actually there's some shifts and changes. Obviously it sounds like you did some revenue growth as well, but there's shifts and changes you can make inside how you're managing and operating the business that can unlock results now in the existing business you have. And then that gets to fund the growth um, and you get to grow because it's fun and because you want to, not because, oh, that's when I can pay myself that 100K salary or you know whatever it is you were kind of working towards. So I think that story is just so helpful for people to see is that there's probably so much potential in front of you when you just think about it in a different way or do manage, you know, understand the numbers and think about the business in a way that potentially you just haven't before because you're you're too close to it or, you know, you're a technical expert at what you do, right? You are a technical expert as a hairdresser. You're a technical expert as a coach, as, you know, whatever it is that you're doing in e-commerce and so it's funny how we think we should just naturally be a technical expert at the business side of things and give ourselves a really hard time about that. But then, it, you know, hairdressing is like a four-year apprenticeship, right? That you learned, you know, you went through four years of training to become that technical expert. And so giving yourself the grace too to be like, there's probably things I just haven't learned yet. I just don't know yet. And that could really change the business and unlock new things. So love that story on so many levels. Not No, you know, it, it made me who I am and it, it does definitely make me empathetical to others who go through that situation too, as awful as it was at the time. Um, it was a big lesson. And even now when I go through things, sometimes I think, well, it can't be as bad as that. You know, it can't be as bad as like this one thing that I went through that felt like the end of the world. And I kind of compare everything to that. And I'm like, well, not, it's not that bad anymore. So it's, you know, it's all leading towards something. And and I've had so many of my clients too, who have been through different kinds of experiences, maybe not financial, maybe it was a team member, or maybe it was, um, you know, a landlord or something that has kind of given them that huge light bulb moment of like, wow, this is, you know, running a business can be really intense at times and you can have these ups and downs. So it's all, it's all worth it in the end and it's all leading to something, but you just have to get through those periods 
to find that. Um, Another thing I wanted to touch on as well is throughout this whole experience with my personal story, I had a tax accountant the whole time. Mm. And that's what I was so annoyed about too, was like, why are they not, why were they not advising me on what was going on and what was happening Mm. and you know, that maybe the, the, the debt was getting out of hand or, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. And I felt really shocked because I was like, isn't this the reason you have an accountant in the first place to mm. help stop you from getting into these situations? And I didn't understand at the time the difference between a traditional tax accountant and someone who could advise you on the business finances and the percentages and how you should be spending your money and everything like that. I thought it was just an accountant was an accountant and that was it. So I'd love to hear your explanation or your perspective on what's the difference between just a traditional accountant and someone like yourself that is more of an advisor. Yep. It's, yeah, it's a great um, question and I love that because it's a conversation I've had with a lot of people where they've said to me, I've gone and spoke to my accountant because I want to understand if I'm profitable or I want to know how I could do better and all of that. And the accountant has just been said something, you know, oh, you're doing a great job. Increase sales, reduce expenses. That's the answer that you get. (laughs) Yeah, or like you made a profit, so just do more of that, right? And what I've seen is there, there's this gap, right? And there's this gap between, you know, and as well, there's a gap between what a lot of traditional business coaches are doing too, which is marketing and, you know, all of, all of that, you know, foundational work for selling and all of that. Then you've got your accountants. So a traditional small business accountant is really focused on tax and compliance and all of that end of year stuff. And they're very busy, right? My tax accountant told me last year that the ATO was giving accountants extensions because they couldn't find staff. You know, they were going through the same staff shortages. So they're really busy being across that. And, you know, there's a lot as, you know, there's BAS, there's, you know, end of year, there's, you know, ASIC stuff, all the financial statements. There's so much that they're already doing. And it's kind of like specialist doctors, like as someone who I'm a chartered accountant by background, but it's funny, I've never been a technical tax person. I've always been in like the strategy and budgeting and planning side of things because it's just like with doctors, right? They specialize, you you know, you go and see an orthopedic surgeon or you go and see um, a dermatologist, right? And one can't advise you across the other because the area is so technical. I can't advise someone on tax strategies. The area is so technical. It you know, I'd have to go back and do another two year like training on top to become a tax advisor. So there's this difference between compliance and tax and what that person is great at versus, you know, what I'm really great at is that planning, that thinking, that business strategy, right? That interpreting the numbers and using that to drive business performance. And so again, I I think what you said is so true people don't understand there's these specialties within the area and they think, oh, my accountant is across all of it. Like if they pick up something, they'll tell me. But as you really learned in your scenario, like the ultimately the responsibility sits with you and understanding where their limitations are is really important. So yes, I just think there's this gap in between what traditional accountants are providing support with and what business owners actually need to drive, you know, performance improvements in their business and to understand the numbers and 
to have someone sit with them and upskill them and empower them to make decisions and things like that, it's a very different skill set to a traditional like tax or small business accountant. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's, I really appreciate you clarifying that as well, because I think a lot of people don't understand the difference between the two. And I think a lot of people need someone like yourself who is an advisor that can advise them on how to be more profitable. And like I said, not just give them the old, make more sales and reduce your expenses. And that's how you'll be more profitable. It's like, there's a lot more to it than that. And you really need that strategy behind it. And especially with the profit first system, it really empowers you to educate yourself in a lot of these areas. And, you know, you can work with someone, you know, who's a professional, like I used to work with my advisor on a monthly basis, because I needed that monthly support to work out everything in the business and keep up to date with everything. But as I learned the system, and I understood the numbers, and I understood it more myself, I was then able to move to a quarterly advisory where we're only meeting once a quarter and then every month I'd get reports and I knew how to make adjustments in the business I knew exactly what to do because I'd been educated through those many years of working together with my advisor to get to that point so I think it's definitely important if you are struggling in your business or you're struggling with the finances or the profit don't be afraid to reach out to someone and turn to someone that can help you with it and it doesn't have to be a forever thing it can be just until you learn how to manage it on your own and how to actually structure the business and what decisions need to be made and what changes need to be made. And then you can step into your own power and you can kind of do things a little bit more on your own. But it, you, like you said before, you don't know what you don't know. And unless mm-hmm. you turn to someone to help you, then the situation isn't going to change. Mm. Yes. And I love what you're saying there too. Like my role with my clients is yes, we work intensively together at the start. There's a lot more while we're implementing profit first and assessing the business. And, you know, and I do all of that. I I do the assessment of the business and then it's my role to walk the business owner through and, you know, upskill them to learn, like, here's what's happening in your business. Here's where the challenges are. Here's why the profit's not there and all of that. And then ideally, we're transitioning, you know, over time to working together less, right? Because the idea is they're becoming empowered. They're becoming confident. Like I said, with my client before who she's coming and bringing things to me now. And so over time, you're kind of phasing down. It's like, hey, I still want to do these check-ins, but it can really become much less um, regular. So it's like working with a coach, right? Sometimes you get in, you do a whole bunch of work. That's, you know, I do that in my consulting phase. We do coaching And then ideally it's like we're just tweaking and refining and having check-ins around, you know, how's everything tracking and, you know, oh, I want to hire a staff member. Let's do some, like, let's do some calcs and things like that. But it's so important, yes, you know, bringing in someone to help you around business performance and profitability and, and implementing profit first does not mean they're going to be like in your business forever. It's more, you know, it's more of a phase of let's get this, let's get things back. And then ideally we're in a business as usual kind of operating environment where, you know, that support dials back a little bit. And yes, I think, again, just differentiating between the accountant, the accountant is someone who's probably, you know, because you've got all those regular reporting things happening, this kind of coaching style is different. So yeah, I just love that you're saying that and just like helping helping business owners see like it's okay to ask for help. And I think your story is so great in illustrating that. Yeah, definitely. Always ask for help when you need it. I always think too, if someone can give you a shortcut, why not just take the shortcut? 
Like make it easy on yourself and just take the shortcut. Like with me, it took me two years to pay off that huge debt and it was a shortcut to the answer. And I'd rather, you know, do that and get the shortcut and spend 10 years paying off a debt and going through it. It's like, make it easy on yourself. You know, I recently hired a social media coach because I'm trying to grow my own social media. And I was like, why? Like, I don't want to do another course. I don't want to do another thing. I'm just going to hire someone to help me. Give me the answers. They've done what I want to do. It's worked for them. They can teach me how to do it as well. And then I'll build up those skills and then I, you know, won't need them forever. But I, I want to just get the shortcut and I want to learn how to do it now because I don't want to waste my time trying to trial and error and figure everything out on my own, you know, so it's always really good to ask for help. Now, just to wind up the podcast, I wanted to ask you a little bit of a personal question, I guess, which is what is something that is on your mind that you rarely speak about? Such a good question. I think something that's on my mind that I rarely speak about, or I try and speak about it more, but I think it's just not a broad conversation that's being had, is that business growth and sales is not the be-all and end-all. And I think it's really important that we start shifting the conversation in terms of, you know, I run this, you know, figure business or this figure business, and is it actually profitable, right? And like, are you getting the lifestyle you want from that, right? And that's not the conversation that's being had. And it's a conversation that can be hard to bring to like the online world and things like that. But I think it's so important to be like, why am I chasing growth? And sometimes it's because you want to personally grow and you have a big vision and I'm here for that. But sometimes it's because we think it's better there or like the solution must be in the growth or I don't know, that just seems to be what everyone else is chasing. And we're on this kind of hamster wheel of chasing and like hoping one day we'll be there. Whereas what I really see for people is there's so much potential to unlock in what already is. And I think that's such an important like paradigm shift, especially we don't want to be working harder for the sake of it, thinking like when I work harder, when I get there, something will finally be available to me if I could get that here and now and then choose to grow because I want to. So I often think about that you know, the external focus on sales and growth and how a lot of the conversation is that that's the answer. But I think there's a lot of, you know, opportunity and potential to be unlocked in what is and then choose to grow because you want to. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I can definitely speak from personal experience that more sales and more growth doesn't always equal more profit. And that can be really frustrating as well when you're working really hard and you're seeing all this growth, but the profit's not following along with that. And something I always advise my coaching clients too, is don't just think about more all the time. They, a lot of people, they want more clients. They want more exposure. They want more Instagram followers. They want more leads coming in. They always want more, 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 but they don't take the time to look at what could I refine with what I'm already doing that mm. could actually make me more money or what, how could I maybe create an offer or some sort of product that I could sell to the clients I currently have or upgrade the clients I currently have. So I'm not always looking for more clients and I'm not always trying to bring new people in all the time, like looking at how you run your business, not as more all the time, but refinement. And I think that's something that you can offer with the profit first system. It's something that can come through looking at the business holistically and not just chasing more all the time because more is not always the answer. Sometimes it is, but not always. And Mm -hmm. it's good to sort of look at 
different options as to how you can improve your business, how you can make it more profitable, how you can give yourself more time back. And it doesn't always mean more of everything. So I love that thought. I'm definitely on the same wavelength with you there. And if anyone's listening, they'd like to maybe find out a little bit more about you. Where could they find out about you? Yes. So the best place to come and like chat would definitely be Instagram. So Laura J O'Hagan on Instagram or head on over to my website. I mentioned there's like some free resources there. There's amazing things there and you can like, you know, decide to hook up for a call or something like that, but get started checking out. I've even got two free chapters of Profit First on my website. So that's laurajohagan.com. If you head over there, you'll be able to get started with one of those resources. Well, thank you so much. We will definitely pop all the links for your website in the show notes. If you guys want to go check her out. Um, And thank you so much for your time today, Laura. I've loved having this conversation with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Such a good episode. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Laura. She is such a wealth of knowledge and information. She really knows her stuff when it comes to finances, to strategizing finances and business. And honestly, I enjoyed my conversation with her so much. I personally learned a lot from listening to her and even just reiterated what I'm currently doing, already using Profit First in my business, how powerful it truly is. And I really want to talk about this topic more on my podcast and in my socials because I want to share the power of structuring your business correctly, making sure it's profitable and making sure that The reason that you're running a business obviously is to make a profit and do something that you really enjoy in the process, but it has to be profitable in order to be sustainable. And that is so important. So I definitely want to talk about this a little bit more. And of course, if you guys are looking for some extra support, I would love to chat with you guys as to how we can improve your business, look for ways that we can grow and scale your business even further. So if you'd like to book a call with me, I will leave a link in the show notes. I would love to chat with you guys, help you grow your businesses and get you right on track. So thank you very much for listening and I will talk to you guys. I'll be back here same time next week. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed it or got some value from it, please share it with a friend who you think might like it also. If you're feeling extra generous, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps me to reach more people and spread my message to those who need it the most when growing their business. Thanks once again, and I'll see you here next week.